Hello, everyone. This is Eric Pennington, and welcome to the Spirit of EQ podcast. We're glad that you've tuned in. A few things we wanted to tell you at the beginning of the show, and that's this podcast was created to be a tool to help you, primarily to discover and grow your EQ. Science and our own lived experiences confirm that the better we are at managing our emotions, the better we're going to be at making decisions, which leads to a better life. And that's something we all want. We're glad that you've taken out the time today to listen and hope that something that you hear will lead to a breakthrough. Hey, one last thing. We'd really appreciate a review on whichever platform you use to listen. And if you want to, leave some comments about what you heard today, as well as follow and subscribe. That way you won't miss a single episode as we continue this journey. And with that, the show begins. Hello, everyone. This is Eric Pennington with The Spirit of EQ. Welcome to The Spirit of EQ podcast. Today's episode is on building resources. Life is a journey. Spirit of EQ helps shape and guide the road ahead for individuals, leaders, teams, and organizations striving to realize their full potential through emotional intelligence. Spirit of EQ is a coaching and consulting company that assists individuals and businesses to reach their full potential by developing emotional intelligence. In business, managers and leaders recognize the value of training to develop leadership skills. What they may not realize is that those skills are far more effective when they pay attention to not only performance, but also to people. Emotional intelligence is a crucial skill because people drive performance and emotions drive people. Joining me today, as always, is Jeff East with the Spirit of EQ. Hi, Jeff. How are you? Hi, Eric, and all our listeners. You know, Jeff, uh, the last time we did a recording, you were not feeling well, and I had to do it solo. And our producer, Brett, could say, yeah, it took him a few takes to get that right. But <laughs> uh, hopefully you're feeling better, and it's glad, I'm glad you're back. Doing much better. Good, good, good. All right, so, Jeff, I'm going to – I know that um, – you may still ride motorcycles, but I know at one time you 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 were kind of like you did that a lot. So I want to kind of help the audience understand where we're going today by by way of a story within your background with motorcycles, specifically a Yamaha Classic, because I think that's something you're pretty familiar with. Am I right uh, in that? I've brought one of those back to life. The big old X oh my gosh. A man of resurrection. I love it. <laughs> All right. So, Jeff, uh, imagine, if you will, that, that I'm over at your place, your garage area, and uh, up comes a truck. And the guy says, I've got a Yamaha Classic uh, motorcycle for you. And we can't do anything with it. I don't ride anymore. So I, I'm just giving it to you. Now, my jaw is going to drop to the to the ground because I'm going, who does that? Uh, you probably have a little surprise, too, but it's for real. It's yours. Just take it, Jeff. Yamaha Classic. So as I'm still in shock, Jeff, you, you probably start the process by looking the vehicle over, looking the, the, the motorcycle over. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what were some of the things? Let's just go there. What were some of the things you would kind of look at with, uh, with a brand new bike? Meaning... It's not a brand new as in spanking new. It's just a new bike for you. 
Yeah, it's it's you know it's going to be an older bike, and I, I'm going to look at some things right off the bat. This may sound very strange. I'm going to pop the gas cap on the tank and oh. take a sniff. Interesting. And why would you do that? To see if they when they parked it, they drained the gas out of it, which is the best thing, or if they just parked it with bad gas in it now. So I know uh, that's going to start off causing me problems. Okay. Right off right. the bat. Okay. That's great. That's great. So. Um, Jeff, um, being an amateur, uh, and you can take or leave whatever I would mm-hmm. advise you to do in that situation. But let's say that you and I decided that, well, maybe we can do some work on this ourselves. Okay. I'll be your, you know, all thumbs assistant, but you, 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 you go ahead and say, Hey, yeah, we, we can do something and we'll, we'll start to look at it. So we start to look at it and let's say that you verbally tell me, well, ah, they had gas sitting in there and that gas is old. Uh, I also took a look at the brakes. Brakes are going to need to be replaced. And then um, when I did start it up, heard the sound. I'm thinking there could be some issues with maybe one of the four carburetors or something. Because I, I, if I remember right, there are four carburetors in these, right? Yeah, so that, if it's a four-cylinder bike, yeah. Okay. All right. So I say, hey, Jeff, let's go ahead and start working on this, man. Let's Let's get going at it. And you take the approach of, well, yeah, we can take care of the gas thing here. No problem. Uh, the brakes, uh, maybe. But then you pause about the carburetor thing. Tell us a little bit about why you pause with carburetors. Well, part of it is past experience. Hmm. I have discovered over the years, I, I grew up on a farm, so we had engines of you know all different kinds. Yep. Um, I am absolutely horrible about messing with carburetors. If you want an engine not to run, let me work on the carburetor. So if, if I suspected it was a carburetor before I would get myself into deeper trouble by trying to do it myself, I would find somebody that's an expert on uh, older Japanese built motorcycles. That's a, that's a dying art, but you need to find somebody that can do that because he'll get it right. I'll get it wrong more than likely. So I, okay. I would want I would want to look at that. That's something yeah. that I know I can't fix. You mentioned the brakes. I do know how to fix that. So that would be something I can handle on my own. But you know, mm-hmm. digging into a carburetor, it's not something I would do. So I right. would find and the expert. So within that, um, that's a blend, right? There's some things that, yep, I've been here before. I know how what to do. I can tackle it. And then there's another one that is maybe a little over your head. And, you know, in that situation, rather than going forward and trying to fix it anyway or attempt to fix it, it's better to call on an expert who has experience in that regard. That kind of frame up, right? Yeah, and and I think the important thing is I know what I don't know. Mm. I know know enough to know that it's more than likely the carburetors because the bike's not, not running right. But I know that I don't know how to fix it. Okay, perfect, perfect. So, um, Jeff, that's a story that leads me to a quote from uh, a gentleman that we know in common. Uh, His name is David. And uh, I was on a call with him a month or so ago. And uh, we were talking about an organization, actually two organizations, um, that two or three years ago had 
basically said, we're going to pass on doing any type of ongoing work to, to help our people with emotional intelligence and that kind of thing. They were open to doing uh, our, our, the products around measuring climate and culture and that kind of thing, but they really didn't want to do anything ongoing. Didn't really get into the reasons outside of the fact that they just said, we're going to pass and uh, enter into the pandemic starting last year. Um, my understanding is that the organizations got hit really hard with circumstances, with employees. I mean, just it wasn't just that their business uh, went south or they went out of business or whatever. It was that they were dealing with all these people issues, uh, mental health, uh, character things. Um, and um, David said something that has just really stuck with me. He said, you're only going to be able to call on the resources that you've developed up to this point to deal with a crisis. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I mean, that could be applied in so many different areas. Mm -hmm. Now, don't get me wrong, Jeff. It wasn't that he said that and said, and you know, that somehow we can prepare for anything as long as we work on it before it hits, because the pandemic is a great example. I have met zero people that said, yeah, I knew that was coming. Yeah, that, that we, we were uh, on time for that. Right. And if you, if they did say that you kind of went, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. And um, so that quote got me thinking about like today's episode about resources. What resources have we built in preparation for things that we know and quite frankly, for the things that we don't know? Your example with the motorcycle, I think, is is brilliant because like in our lives, Jeff, we have things that when we encounter problems or difficulties, we know what we need to do because we've had experience with it. We've 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 gained knowledge and understanding and all those things. But there are some things that might come at us that we realize it's over our heads. It's, it's above our ability. Now, I, I think in those two situations, right, it's a, an example of either someone who just plows on through, typically someone who's very arrogant or maybe has a, a, a oversized sense of their ability, right? Or there are those that, like you just gave as an example, hey, this is a carburetor, not in my wheelhouse. I got to find an expert who focuses in on those things. And I, I want to address that first person and say they're the ones that don't know how to work on a carburetor and try to do it themselves. They've probably cost themselves twice as much mm. by doing it when they don't know what they're doing. And I think that goes to these kind of problems you're talking about. You'll, you'll usually end up making them worse. Yeah. And um, as it relates to our lives, be it in the personal setting or in the professional setting, um, it's, it's a very powerful thing. Um, I, in my own personal experience, uh, have had some major health setbacks uh, in the last few years. Um, however, I've increased my urgency and my effort to take care of myself with my diet and with my exercise, because this isn't Jeff, 
spirit of EQ telling our audience, hey, if you do these five things, you're going to come out the winner or you're going to come out looking good, being fine and all that, because there are no guarantees. We know this. I, I, I could exercise seven days a week. I could eat perfect food, if you'd call it that. There's still stuff that can happen to me regardless, mm-hmm. because whether it be genes, something environmental, whatever the case may be, I don't have total control, nor does anyone. But here's the thing. I want to be, I want to do everything I can to be prepared for the unknown as well as the known. And I know that can make people feel uncomfortable a little bit because quite frankly, I don't think as human beings, we really like mystery and suspense and unknown outside of watching it in a movie, right? Mm -hmm. But the reality is life is full of unknowns and there's going to be things that are going to be delivered at your door that you never expected, you could have never predicted. And quite frankly, you may just not like, right? So want to kind of set the table that way because in today's episode, the resources are related to, well, what are we going to do if in a quote post-pandemic world? What are some of the things, some of the trends that we may be looking at that could be? And for our audience, I want to make sure you understand, Jeff and I are not prophets. We're not making predictions, but we're going to talk about some things that probably most everyone listening is going to go, yeah, I can see how that probably will uh, play out in, in a post-pandemic world. Uh, so the first one, Jeff, uh, changes in the way that we work, the good and bad. So, Jeff, just for the purposes of your thoughts in this time that we're together and recording, okay. uh, what do you think might be a change that's come to your mind that maybe um, – you'd see in the post-pandemic world? Well, one of the things from, from talking with some people, their companies are planning on downsizing facilities because they found out that they can work from home mm-hmm. instead of coming into an office. And there's, there's benefits and uh, detriments for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I... <laughs> there's always unintended consequences and there's some little that you wouldn't even think about. Um, let's say a, a large company downsizes and gets rid of their huge facility. What happens to the support people at that facility? Mm-hmm. That's an yeah. unintended consequence. But I also think that even though, yes, it is more uh, efficient to work from home, I think it will start blurring the line between home and uh, personal and work life. Yeah, that's a great, uh, that's a great insight. Um, so, uh, you know, and the purposes of helping our audience that may some find themselves in that very same position, you know, what are some things that maybe we can talk a little bit about some of the things that they can do uh, that might help them build up their resources to, handle such a change, even if it hasn't been officially announced or if it's not knocking on their door. What do you think in that regard? I think one of the first things somebody should think about are what boundaries am I going to set for Mm -hmm. when I'm working, when I'm not working, um, that kind of thing. So it's a separate thing. So 
that when you're working, you can give your attention to, you know, what you're doing. If you're not working, give your attention to your family, your, your personal things to make sure that you have these boundaries. It, it may be from, you know, eight until five, mom or dad may not be available to do mm-hmm. anything. Yeah. If, if that's what it is, you know, some other people, some of the people I've talked to, this gives them flexibility now. So if they have something they have to do during the day, you know, they can do it, do the work at night, you know, that kind of thing. So I think very definite boundaries need to be set. And I think that this is the one that's going to be very difficult is you have to have some boundaries set with your employer. Mm. Just because my laptop and workstation is at home, you know, unless it's a super dire emergency, don't call me at nine o'clock because you need a file. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, so, something so like that. <laughs> let me ask you this, Jeff. There's some out there, maybe a lot of people out there going, guys, I've been working from home since the pandemic. I've been at home for a year. Yeah, I get it. I get it. You know, uh, boundaries and, you know, uh, work life and all of that. But I want to give everybody a little secret where we're going here. When we get to the place of where, and we're moving in that direction, thankfully, where things are opening back up, and we've heard that term, there is a transition that people are going to have to make psychologically. So let's say you work for a large corporation that's maybe a CEO is kind of in the news said, you know what, Um, I, I get the flexibility from working from home, but you know, um, we need to get back into office and be around each other. You know, we need to, you know, we need to be learning from one another in the flesh. Okay. Well, Jeff, I've been working for a year or more from home doing the virtual thing. And then I hear voices in the wind saying office is going to open back up. We're going to be back in together, shoulder to shoulder, all and on and on that's going to cause a little bit of uh, a potential challenge for people, isn't it? Yeah. um, One of the things is, you know, you've, yeah, you've been keeping in touch with your coworkers by zoom and emails and things that's Mm -hmm. different than sharing an office again. You're going to have to (laughs) remember uh, work etiquette being in person, even, you know, you just can't, you know, get up and microwave your popcorn in the middle of a conversation or something like that. So I think right. there's going to be there's going to be that that's going to be stressful for people getting back together because you've lost personal touch with people. And there's also going to be certainly those that are not going to feel super comfortable from a health. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I get it that you know, the vaccination rate and, you know, the number of cases going down. But, you know, it's it's kind of like um, the idea of PTSD. Mm-hmm. If, if, you know, what you, what you observed is real because you observed it. I mean, there's yeah. no getting around that. How are you, how are some of these people going to react when the person in the cubicle next to them coughs? Yeah. Yeah. And, and hear me out, Jeff. I mean, we're not minimizing any of the concerns, right, uh, of, of people. And I use the term PTSD, not, not because I want to be flippant in that regard. I want to make sure people understand that what happened 
in 2020 was traumatic. I, I don't think I don't think we should sugarcoat that. No matter how well you did during, no matter how you persevered or how you navigated 2020 or or the pandemic, um, it's important to remember. That. I just want to acknowledge that. You know, and, and it's going to be it's going to be differing. Uh, degrees of that for different people. You know, I, I know of a few people that literally have not been off their property since the first quarantine started. Man. You know, how are they going to react to all of a sudden they got to be in an office with a hundred people that, that, that could lead to a mental breakdown of some sort. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things um, I'm trying to, to get my mind around uh, because it, it leads to the second um, thing I wanted to mention, is, and it is mental health. Um, you know, America's done probably, a, I don't know if we were grading America. I think on our best day, we were probably a C minus as it relates to how we treat mental health in people. And I'm speaking more about the, the stigmatizing it, not so much that not, not so much accessibility to getting care and help, but just the way that we've, you know, we've kind of culturally ignored it. Right. Um, and, and some of that's uh, media driven. I get it. You know, some people have in turn believe have grown up to believe potentially that if you had issues with your brain health, it meant that you're almost like someone who's a leper, you know, uh, and not, not understanding that your mental health is no different than your physical health. Uh, it's, it, it's a part of who you are. Um, if you have a specialist because you had a heart condition, that's a cardiologist. Well, if you have issues with something relating to your mental well-being. You might have someone who is a specialist, who is a counselor, a psychologist, or psychiatrist. Exactly. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. Unfortunately, from a culture standpoint, it has been given sort of that, again, that leper idea comes to my mind. Yes. Um, and um, that's made it really difficult for people to get the kind of help that they need. Um, and I think it also has put a lot of pressure on employers as it relates to this, because I think historically the employers, I think it began with, a, hey, that's not our concern. That's not something we deal with that. you got to take care of that. Mm -hmm. Then as the wellness movement started to grow and it became part of sort of the benefits package, things became more accessible. You know, the guarantee your privacy, but here's a phone number where you can call if you want to talk to a counselor, uh, which was good. But I think the pandemic revealed that now we're in a place where it's going to have to be more intentional. Um, and certainly I'm, I'm very optimistic about the role that we play at Spirit of EQ in that solution. Mm -hmm. I just think in general, though, uh, it's one of those things. So I want to talk a little bit about the development of resources um, around mental health. Um, and I want to start, uh, Jeff, with this idea that um, 
let's just say for a moment that that you're someone who's in that role, like I described earlier, right? Who, you know, they've worked from home for over a year, very comfortable with it, understand boundaries. They, you know, sort of figured out how to navigate it. And then they hear the message, you know, we're going to be coming back to work. And so they're fairly stable, right? Which in some ways I think can be maybe the more dangerous place. (laughs) Right. Because it, it gives a sense that I'm I'm good. I, I, I'm fine. I, I don't need. Right. So if you're in that place and open to it, that person is open to it. What would we say to them as far as what kind of resources could they build up, even though they're doing, quote, OK? You know, I, I think, there, you know, obviously look at emotional intelligence, but use it, I think, in this case, in a way for self-reflection to to figure out you know i i need to make sure that i'm okay i think i am but am i you know go back and and look at you know some of our competencies recognize patterns or you know what what are your feelings telling you which it just so happens that our next episode is going to talk about those again so a little segue there um but i think that's one resource they can use Uh, another resource that that sometimes we don't want to use is somebody that you trust to ask them, you know, how do you mm-hmm. think I'm doing? Do, do you, and they go, well, I see you doing this. Have you even noticed it? You know, things like that. I think those are resources that we can get ourselves without having to go to the specialist, but using those kind of resources may make you think, okay, I do need to go see someone. Well, yeah, and that's uh, that's a great point. Um, uh, it leads me to thinking that um, we shouldn't look at medical health, um, mental health um, specialists, professionals, as I only go to them when I hit a wall. Um, I think it's very healthy to, if you're doing those re- reflections, and you're kind of stuck on one, I'm going, and I had this happen a few months ago. Um, medical diagnosis. Um, and, you know, it was one of those things that it was, it was a, I mean, it was a very serious diagnosis. And um, I began questioning, I mean, have I grieved about this? Mm. I mean, have I, have I taken the time to like feel the loss from the diagnosis? And Jeff, I, I was going around with my head and I asked my wife and, and she was the wise one, right, um, in this situation where she said, maybe you should talk to uh, our pastor and ask him what he thinks. Maybe start there. Make that your first level of counseling or mental health work and then determine whether or not you need to see your uh, – because I have a, a psychologist that I work with um, – and, and it turned out in this case, uh, there wasn't a need for me to go that route. But I, I think that's a good practice, right? Yeah, I think one of the things that I don't know if we're taught, I don't know what it is, but we're taught that if you if something does happen to us, like in your case, you, you mentioned a medical thing or the pandemic, we're not taught that it's okay to be upset about that. You know, I, I, I have a right to not be happy because we have the pandemic. 
you know, and, and I need to acknowledge that. Then you can go ahead and go, what is making me unhappy about it? Is there something I can do with that? Because that, that'll help you identify some of the things that, that are underlying, I believe. Yeah. And, and Jeff, you, 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 what you just said there, it's interesting in my situation, I just described and, and it's, it's been about a year journey, maybe a little over a year. And uh, I had a visit with uh, my, my medical doctor and um, she just, she said, you know, based on what you're telling me, Eric, this year has been a, you've been going through the grieving process and I'm not going to revisit the, the, what that process is, but most people understand there's these stages, right. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, that you go through when you grieve over something, someone, and that encouraged me because it made me go, okay, maybe I am getting better at this building of resources and, and taking care of myself, not just because the doctor says, Hey, if you don't lose 10 pounds, or if you don't stop doing X, X will happen, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I want to read a quote for you uh, that relates to this. And this one is, it, it, it's certainly speaking to the work side of things, but it does apply in the personal side of things as well. Um, it, it's talking about the, the effects of it, uh, the pandemic, uh, and about the consequences uh, of what it is, the collateral damage uh, that, that it's what we're probably going to be dealing with. Certainly, we are dealing with um, post-pandemic. Uh, the question with the pandemic is what those consequences will look like on this far bigger scale, a longer tail of effects, a higher percentage of people affected, more acute symptoms. And this uh, psychiatrist from Washington University says, if you care about your workforce and you want your workforce to be happy and healthy and alive, you need to invest in mental health resources. Now, Jeff, you and I know from the work that we do, that's a consistent refrain for us. And it was that way before the pandemic as it is now. And I really do believe that uh, though I think employers need to be on purpose and investing major dollars into this, because if we don't think that we're gonna have consequences, I think we're fooling ourselves. Right. Um, and I also think it's a shared responsibility. It's not that your employer should like want to take care of you and your mental health from beginning to end. You got to do that, too. You, you got to take the advice that you threw out about looking at the emotional intelligence competencies. You have to be the one to learning, reading a book on how to better manage stress. Um, it's a partnership. Mm -hmm, exactly. The, um, the other thing uh, that I think um, I want to touch on um, is, is the idea of decision making, because it's all fine and well, Jeff, you and I sitting here on our podcast recording saying, hey, you should do this. This is a good idea. Here's a quote. Here's a book. Here's an emotional intelligence competency. But so much of this has to do with our decision making. Um, and I don't know if you knew this about me, but I'm a believer in the 90-10 rule. And um, many people okay. out there may say, wait a minute, you mean the 80-20 rule, right? 
Well, no, it's the 90-10 rule. And I don't remember who the author was uh, of this idea, but I believe it. And, and maybe I believe it because when I look at my own life, it, it's kind of bared out to be true. And what it means is, is that 90% of our lives will be the result of the choices and decisions we made. The other 10% will be the unexpected stuff, like a pandemic. Like, you know, somebody says, hey, uh, we're moving the factory to X and therefore these jobs are going away and you didn't see it coming. So separating out that 10% because there's nothing you can do about that. The 90%, it's in your hands. So Mm -hmm. the whole idea here that I want to get to, Jeff, is about the idea that if we get better at making decisions, could that lead to a better life and a better family and a better community and a better city and a better state and a better nation, you better world, right? So uh, what are your thoughts around that idea about decision-making? I mean, you know, there's the decision-making that, that is easy to, to quantify, you know, to talk about, you know, the decision to, you know, buy a new car or, or move. There's those kind of decisions that are very obvious that you're making. But I think that the decision-making that maybe you're talking about are the ones that are much deeper. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to make a decision to improve my mental health. Or I'm going to make a decision, you know, to work on my physical health. It's those deeper decisions that will make the difference in this time. Yeah, we still have to make those decisions, you know, that every day, you know, what's for dinner tonight decisions. Yes, right. Those things. I mean, those aren't the decisions I think you're talking about. Oh, you're, you're right. You're right. Exactly. So I think what we need to start making those life choice decisions, I think, maybe something like that, that, mm-hmm. you know, y- y- using emotional intelligence, you can make a decision on what's going to upset you. Mm-hmm. So you can make the decision that, yeah, this pandemic was horrible. I can't, it's there. I'm going to have to live with it. So now I make the decision on how I'm going to handle it. That may sound too simple, but I think down but to, you know, very deep inside a person, that's what you have to decide. How am I yeah. going to let this affect me? That's a decision, which is yeah. much more important than, the one, you know, those out in the open ones. Yeah. So, you know, the idea that we've, we've heard um, and we've talked about it on the podcast about um, emotions driving people. Um, and then, of course, which leads to, People drive results. Mm-hmm. So there's two things I want to touch on here um, as we're getting close to the end. Um, it would seem to me the better we are at managing our thoughts and our emotions will lead to those better decisions. Mm-hmm. And um, that requires practice, right, Jeff? I mean, you don't wake up one morning and all of a sudden you're, you're great at it, right? Right. And these ideas that we're talking about, um, and before we end, I, I want to give the audience some, some tips, but 
um, it does require practice. Um, yeah. You've kind of got to build that muscle. Exactly. You, you have to, to keep working at it. Um, just like when you're exercising, you know, you know, a certain muscle group will start hurting. And though, so that's telling you that muscle group is weaker than the other muscle group. So maybe I better pay, pay attention to that. Then, you know, I, my legs are great. I'm just going to build my legs up, but yeah. you know, someplace else isn't. So, well, and there's the reality too, that as you begin the process and you develop the practice, you are, you, you are going to get results. Um, there's, you know, there's very few things in this life that I've seen where I can legitimately point to and say, if you put in the work, you will get results. And it, it's almost as close as I could say to a guarantee. Mm-hmm. Um, now, here's the other devil in the details. Our brains are wonderfully made and our brains serve us so well on a daily basis, Jeff. But there's one area where I, I consistently have this conversation with our clients. Well, I, I keep find myself wanting to go back and doing it the way that I did it before. <laughs> I find myself, oh, I don't know, I just can't seem to get it to stick. And it's just kind of frustrating. And they're typically talking to me in that first week or so after they've made a decision, right, that they're going to do something different. Talk a little bit about the neural pathway thing again. I mean, I know we've talked about it a lot, but I just feel like it's such a powerful part of this process. You know, for me to make it, you know, I am not a neurobiologist or whatever you call those people that study that stuff. I can, I can tell you the basics is, is what I understand it. Basically, a neural pathway is the easy route for your brain to decide to do something or the, the easy route that your brain has developed to protect you from something. It's just, it's like a circuit in your brain that the brain is used to using for whatever it is. If you're confronted with this, that's how it's going to go. And, yeah. you know, it's kind of like, you know, um, I'm going to go back to my farm days. It's like a cow path. The cows all start following this one path, one after the other, and they wear a path in the ground deep yep. path so that's yeah. the easy way for them to go the one leading doesn't have to decide you know what direction to go this path takes us back to the bar so we're going to follow this path but now they have to develop a new one for some reason you know whatever that is mm-hmm. yeah. um so they have to develop a new one but the problem is that old one is still there yep so we can wander yeah. back into that old path that we yep. don't want to use anymore because it's still there. And yeah. that just takes lots of practice. It's not an easy yeah. thing to do. Yeah, exactly, Jeff. And that, that, that's a great analogy uh, from the farm because I think I'm not so much, and, and I'll encourage um, folks that, you know, it's not so much the three, six, nine months, year, two years later thing because our brains are made so efficiently that eventually the new neural pathway, your brain's going to want you to do that. Mm-hmm. It's not going to have the same level of desire to do, do something the old way. Exactly, yes. But in that first window of time, uh, be it a week, be it three weeks, two weeks, everybody's different. There's this resistance going on. And I just want to encourage people that 
making this process of building your resources, you just kind of got to get through that front end pain resistance to get to the other side where your brain then will begin to support you in this better way, if you will. All right, Jeff. So I know we're running out of time here. I want to give some tips uh, for folks. Uh, A couple that jump out to my mind and I want to hear yours. Uh, One, practice. Um, Get up every day and practice this. Okay. Um, Read something, do something that's going to build your resources. You cannot rely on our podcast episode to do it because we're trying to, we're trying to inspire you to action. What's going to matter most is not when you're listening to this podcast. What matters most is what you do tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. And then following three days after that. Well, you know, Eric, one of the, the teaching methods that we use when we're doing six seconds spirit of EQ stuff is the engage. That's We're trying to engage people right now. We want you to start thinking about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and the other thing that I might reflect, and this is just a practical one that I've used that, that has been really, we need specific time for reflection. And, and maybe a, a fairly easy one to get started would be set a time once a week for 15 minutes where you're going to reflect on these resources that you've been building. No judgment, no condemnation. No, I should have done this. I should have done that. Just let me evaluate where I'm at. Let me see how things are going. Where do I need to improve? In many ways, and and many of the audience members probably know the SWOT analysis, you know, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, threats, right? (laughs) You can do that on yourself. Mm -hmm. So make that part of your reflection time and then build it. Maybe you eventually build up to where you're doing daily reflection. But Start that because, again, just getting information is not going to lead to behavior change. It just doesn't. So, Jeff, any other types of uh, tips that you might give to the audience? I've just got one that I've been thinking about is the concept of non-dualistic thinking, which is basically there can be two right answers to something. Hmm. So when, when you're looking at this, if your friend this is what they decided to do. You know, you both have the same issue that you want to work on. And what they decide to do might not be what you need to do. It can be, it can be that way. So keep an open mind when somebody is telling you something. There might be more than one way to do this that fits you better than it fits someone else. So, hmm. you know, when we're talking about these things, they're, they're really complicated and there can be more than one solution that you're looking for. Yeah. And, and I think, um, you know, that's a, that's a great tip. Um, I, I might also add as well, the, the, cause it kind of, you, you prompted me a bit there when you were talking about, you know, evaluating, you know, those, those, the, the multiple choices that you can have, have that spirit of curiosity and not judgment. And, and if what you decide doesn't work, don't give up. Because there yeah. are all multiple ways to do it. Because, yeah. every, every, you know, what works for Eric is not going to work for Jeff sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes exactly. it does. That's great. But yeah. just remember, there's more than one way. Yeah, that's great. On that note, Jeff, I think we've come to the end, my friend. So thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We look forward to the next time that we're with you. Take care. Don't forget to 
comments and review the podcast yes review the podcast yes there we go (laughs) all right take care jeff great to (laughs) see you bye Hi, everyone. This is Eric Pennington with The Spirit of EQ. I'm not introducing a new episode today. I'm here to tell you some things that might help you. Jeff, you're with me as always. So how do people get in touch with us? Well, the best way is just send us an email at info at spiritofeq.com. That's awesome. Jeff, I was also thinking about reviews, and I'm notoriously bad at asking for them, so... Reviews on all of the platforms, wherever you get your podcasts. Yes. you think that'd be good? I think that would be great because, one, that will help us learn how to make better ones. And it's always good for us so to we're, hear. So we're not the perfect podcast host? We're close. Okay. But, all right. But, but not, still, not totally we want perfect. your feedback. We want your feedback. But it'll, it also might uh, let us know a new subject. Hey, we need to dig deeper into that. Yeah. So let us know what you think. Cool. We really appreciate that. As always, too, there is social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, and we also have a YouTube channel. Those also have mechanisms or, or options for you to be able to leave a comment, a like, or those kind of things. Just want to make sure that you know how to get in touch with us. Right, Jeff? Right. We appreciate you all. Thank you. Once again, we really appreciate you tuning in today. One of the things that Jeff and I want to bring to your attention as well is that when we created this podcast, it was not intended to take the place of a clinician. In other words, if you find yourself in a place where there's something deeper going on or something that you cannot solve on your own, we do recommend that you reach out to a clinician of some sort. This podcast is purely opinion-based And it is rooted in the desire to help you along your path in whatever way we can. However, it is never going to replace, nor should it ever be looked at as a replacement for clinical help in any way. Thanks again for tuning in.